Hello, and welcome to the Evie Prince series podcast. My name is Victoria Wright, inspirational writer and author of the Evie Prince series, a trilogy of books that tells the story of a 40-something woman named Evie Prince who experiences a life-altering spiritual awakening. Evie's awakening causes her to question her life and seek answers. As a result, she finds herself in a place that she never thought she would be, single, unemployed, and completely unsure of what to do next. This will not be your usual podcast. In each episode, I will read a chapter, then highlight key reminders that were included to help you, as they have helped me, on your journey of discovery and remembering what you know to be true, but have chosen to forget. To learn more about me in the series, please visit www.healingwords.online. Welcome to the first episode of the Evie Prince series podcast. Today, I'll be reading the first book in the trilogy entitled Listen Within, a novel of discovery and finding true self. Written and narrated by Victoria Wright. Copyright 2021 by Victoria Wright. Potty Mouth Warning. Chapter 1. Shit Hits the Fan. Robert, the director of our department, opened the video meeting. His glasses perched on the end of his nose, as they always were. He cleared his throat (coughs) and said in a rather tense voice, Good morning, everyone. Thanks for moving your schedules to make today's discussion. I just came out of a meeting with our CEO, and some difficult decisions had to be made. Due to the pandemic and the significant decline in our revenue, we will need to downsize by 30% across the board. Please know, this decision does not come lightly, and we understand what kind of impact this will have on the employees who will be let go. Susan will host meetings with each team leader to discuss the process and timeline. I look to all of you to manage this in the best way possible. I thank you in advance for doing the work that it will take to make the right decisions. When Robert finished, there was dead silence. Unfortunately for my colleague John, who did not have his microphone on mute, and so we all heard the shock expressed in a series of colorful expletives. Thanks, John, for sharing your thoughts with the group, Robert said. We are all feeling the impact. You could see the shock on everyone's faces, even though many tried to look down or had turned off their cameras to hide their emotions. Looking back, I didn't think it was such a surprise, since there had been plenty of rumors going around about the loss of business. Not to mention every day we could see our stock price fall. Robert closed the meeting, asking us all to start thinking about who our essential employees were and who would be put on the list to be laid off. I sat there and thought, holy shit, this cannot be happening. My team was already freaking out because of the pandemic and the mandate to work from home. And now, 
I was going to have to lay off five people? My entire body started to tremble with nervousness, knowing I would have to have life-changing discussions with people who I considered friends. How were they going to find new jobs? No one was even hiring. I got up from my makeshift desk at my dining room table and took a couple of deep breaths, walking around to calm myself. I then heard a ping and went back to my computer. Shit. My meeting with Susan was in five minutes. I walked over to the mirror to make sure I looked okay. (laughs) Who was I kidding? I looked like I'd been run over by a Mack truck. I moved closer to the mirror, pushed my bangs away from my eyes, looked myself in the eye and said, Evie, pull yourself together. This is corporate America and it is not personal. To save the company, we have to cut the fat and become a lean machine. Better them than me, right? Then I thought to myself, nice pep talk, not. The call with Susan went as bad as I had expected. If our lives hadn't changed enough, these people would be losing their jobs within the week. At least I didn't have to do this in person. Virtual did have its benefits. I submitted my list to Susan by the end of the day. Then I put meetings on all of my team members' calendars so, if they talked to each other, they wouldn't think anything was up. Then I shut down my computer and called it a night. Tonight was a beer and french fries kind of night. Luckily, I didn't have to go out or order in, as I still had some frozen from my last shopping trip. So, 30 minutes later, I was in front of my television, dipping fries in ketchup and swilling beer. My table manners had definitely declined since lockdown. There was nothing on TV, so I decided to call it an early night and try to get a good night's sleep. It had been a long, stressful day. Yet I was, thankfully, able to fall right to sleep as I always did with a couple of beers in me. Nevertheless, my sleep was anything but restful. My dreams were crazy and unrecognizable. I would wake with starts, fall back to sleep, and then have another whacked-out dream. I was cold, then hot. I tossed and turned. My body felt like it was a wet shirt thumping around in the dryer. Morning could not come soon enough. When my alarm went off at 6.30 a.m., I didn't feel like I had gotten any sleep at all. My body was sore and felt like someone had beat me. It was a two-cup of morning just so I could get into the shower. Luckily, I didn't have many meetings. By the end of the day, Susan had sent me the final list of people who I'd be laying off tomorrow. She gave me the script and strongly advised that I stick to it. Tomorrow would be a hell of a day. I stood in front of my closet to pick out a blouse to wear for tomorrow. It was really quite convenient that I only needed to dress my top half. My bottom half had been enjoying sweatpants life since we'd been quarantined. I found a monotone blouse to wear, something not too drab and sad, but not too cheery and bright. Then I went to bed early again to ensure that I would be on my game tomorrow. Unfortunately, I had another night of restless sleep. My dreams were just as whacked as the night before, and 
this time, I just stayed awake from 4 a.m. on so I would not have to experience those dreams anymore. My first video call was at 9. I had them scheduled every 15 minutes. I read from the script, did not divert, and closed the discussion right on time. For most, the shock of the news did not give them the opportunity to truly react. However, there were two, Ben and Colby, who really shook me. Ben was pure anger. He lashed out at me as if it was all my fault. I couldn't blame him, as he and his wife had just had their third child, but I did feel hurt that he thought that I was to blame. Even though I was hurt by Ben's reaction, Colby's reaction really rattled me to my core. All she did was smile and say, thank you. I thought the last two nights were bad, but nothing compared to the dreams that I had this evening. I fell asleep on the couch and woke myself up crying. My dreams had seemed so real. I'd been a giant walking through this little village, stomping on houses and people, killing or hurting everyone in sight. And as I continued my destruction, I could hear a mother screaming at me that this was all my fault. How could I do this to innocent people? Saturday was a normal lockdown weekend. I slept in late. This past week had really taken a toll on me. Another weekend of hanging around the house, trying to find new and interesting things to do. I went outside to take a brief walk, then came right back in. All I did was sleep for the rest of the weekend. When Monday came, I had to get my head back in the game as I had the remainder of my team to motivate. I pulled the team together around 10 a.m. and officially gave them the news of the layoffs. Their shock quickly turned to fear. As I was trying my best to keep them calm, a meeting request from Robert popped up on my calendar. I didn't think much of it, since he was probably checking in to see how the conversations had gone and if there had been any problems. Since the meeting was scheduled for 10.30, I closed the call with my team and checked myself in the mirror to make sure I looked okay for the video call. When I checked the meeting planner again, I realized this was not a video call. He was calling me directly by phone. The phone rang, and as I thought, Robert asked me how everything had gone and if there had been any problems that he should be aware of. I mentioned Ben, but told him everything otherwise all went as planned. I didn't mention Colby, as he might not think it was weird. As I was just about to launch into a number of questions regarding next steps, Robert cleared his throat and robotically started reading the script. I went blank. All I could hear was Robert saying, Thank you for your service. Then the coward hung up. What the fuck just happened? How could I have gotten laid off? I was a great worker, did what was asked, taking on extra projects, leading a productive team. How the hell could this happen to me? And how dare he take the easy way out and not even look me in the eyes, if only virtually? and tell me to my face. What a wimp. This was so ridiculous. I was going to sue. They couldn't do this to me. 
I woke up in complete darkness, not knowing if it was morning or night. I looked at the clock. 6.30. Then I rolled over and picked up my phone from off the floor. What day was it? What? I had slept for almost an entire day? It was 6.30 at night and I could barely drag myself off the couch. I went to the kitchen, drank a glass of water, managed to walk up the stairs and then crawled into bed. I was so tired that I immediately fell back to sleep. When I finally woke up, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I don't have a job. What were people going to say? What was I going to do? How was I going to support myself? The first tear fell, and I cried for the next hour straight. The truly ugly cry, snot coming out of my nose, body convulsing, curled up in the fetal position. I thought the only reason why I stopped was because I was totally dehydrated. I rolled myself out of the bed, took a shower, pulled on some sweats, and went downstairs just to curl up on the couch. Days passed, and all I did was pace around my house, eat, sleep, and cry. By the second week, Julia, a friend from work, checked in on me. So, what are you going to do? She questioned. I don't know. I can barely keep my butt out of bed. Why don't you take it easy and think about what you really want to do? What do you mean, what I really want to do? Are you trying to tell me you loved your job? It didn't sound like it every week at happy hour. She sighed. What I mean is, if you could do anything, what would you do? I, I don't know. My life was my job. Really? You never dreamed about doing something else? Julia doubted. Maybe when I was younger, but I am too old to start over now. Please, she scoffed. Too old? Well, unless you're going to win the lottery, you are eventually going to have to get another job. You might as well do something that you love, she suggested. After we hung up, her words stayed with me for the rest of the day. What would I do if I could do anything? Over the next few days, I started to feel more like myself. I only slept eight hours, versus twelve, and I showered and got dressed every day. And Julia's words still rang in my head. What would I do? This was going to be easy peasy. I could figure it out. Remember, I was the problem solver, always up for a challenge. I turned on my computer, opened a clean spreadsheet, and then listed various jobs in the first column. Sales. Marketing. Manager. TED Talk speaker. Communications. The second column I put down if I needed training, and the last column was estimated salary. I then reminded myself that I was an educated woman with years of experience.
This shouldn't be too hard. As I worked on my list, Colby came to mind. I wondered how she was doing. So I worked up the nerve to send her a text, just to say hello, and to hope that she and her kids were doing well. No more than ten minutes later, my phone rang. It was Colby. Colby was the only team member, or should I say former team member, who lived in Colorado and actually only lived one town over from me. She was always a level-headed one, a beautiful woman of mixed races who I knew was older than me, but you couldn't tell by her looks. Only recently had I noticed that she had started to gray. It probably was the stress of losing her husband Dan to cancer, leaving her a single mom raising her two boys by herself. It seemed like nothing really fazed her. I wish I had that demeanor. Colby, how are you doing? My voice was filled with concern. I guess I could ask you the same thing, Evie, she replied. So you heard? She softened her voice as she apologetically said, Yes, and I am sorry. What are you sorry about? It happened to you as well, and I was the one who did it to you. You were only the messenger. Colby, the day that I gave you the news, your reaction really rocked me. Can I ask you why you smiled and said thank you when I told you that you were laid off? It was time for me to go anyway. I had known it for a while, but I was too afraid to make the leap, she admitted. But why did you smile? It was as if it didn't bother you at all. You may have thought I was speaking to you, but I smiled and said thank you to the universe because I knew the universe had other plans for me. Since I was too scared to make the move myself, it gave me a little push. Universe? I scoffed. You believe in all that kind of stuff? What kind of stuff? Colby asked. Being positive? Believing in myself and knowing that there is more out there than we understand? Well, yeah. I guess. I replied trying not to sound too much like a jerk. Evie, when was the last time you listened to your heart? You mean my heartbeat? No. Turning off your head, your brain, and listening to your heart. Do you meditate? <laughs> no, I can't do that. I tried. But I have too much to do and my mind won't shut down. Well, I don't want to sound like an ass to you, but it seems like you have some time on your hands. So why not try again? Her words stung a bit, but she was right. We said our goodbyes and she wished me well. Then, before hanging up, Colby said, Evie, just trust yourself and follow your heart. Listen to my heart? What does Colby mean? I asked myself. How am I supposed to turn off my head? She said to meditate. I looked down and noticed that I had been wringing my t-shirt between my fingers. Maybe I am wound up a little tight, I thought to myself. How hard could this be? I can do this. Sitting on the living room floor, I clumsily crossed my legs and closed my eyes. 
Immediately, my eyes popped open, and I got up to check the stove to make sure I hadn't left it on. Then I went back and sat down. Okay, second attempt. I closed my eyes, started deep breathing, and then I heard, drip, drip. The faucet was dripping. Ugh, how do people do this? I asked out loud. I got up again to turn off the faucet, and then tried one more time. This time, I took a series of deep breaths, settling in, when my foot fell asleep. Ugh. I jumped up, feeling nothing but pins and needles, and hopped around, smacking my foot until the tingling stopped. I give up. This is so stupid. I'm not made to do this. I went to the kitchen to make myself a sandwich and to think about my next move. Well, I guess if I'm going to look for a job, I better update my resume and online work profile. I turned on my laptop and started typing. Highly competent senior executive with 20 plus years of experience managing elite sales teams. Then I wondered if that sounded too brash. Nah, it's the truth. And if no one else is going to say it, I might as well. I saved the overview as a draft so I could think about it some more. Then I decided to go out for a bit and do some grocery shopping and try to clear my head. I was just about to drive out of the garage when I realized I had forgotten my mask. <sighs> I pulled back in and ran into the house, grabbing my mask, then running back out. Grocery shopping was such a surreal experience these days. Always looking for that extra roll of toilet paper cleaner, and buying food that I normally would never buy. Plus, it seemed like you couldn't even look at people anymore. Everyone gave each other six feet, trying not to touch anything. And those damn plastic bags. How the hell could you get them open without licking your fingers? All in all, though, the shopping trip wasn't too bad. I had found some good meat, a few treats, a great bottle of wine, and a six-pack of toilet paper. I took the long way home, keeping the windows open to enjoy the brisk air. It was cold, but the sun was shining. This was the first time in a long time that I felt a little happiness. I pulled into the garage, grabbed my bags, and then reached into my purse to get my house keys to open the door. Where are my house keys? I asked out loud. I searched my bag, spilling it out on the garage floor. Fuck! Where are they? I yelled. I must have left them on the kitchen table when I ran back in to get my mask. I grabbed my phone and googled a locksmith. Key locksmith, five stars, I called. A pleasant-sounding woman answered the phone. Hello, key lock locksmith. Uh, yeah, hi. How long would it take to get someone to 6,000 East Pine Way? I asked. I locked myself out of the house. Um, let me check. There was a momentary pause. We could get someone out there in about... 45 minutes. 45 minutes? Are you shitting me? Where are you coming from? Boulder? Ma'am, I understand you may be stressed, but that is as soon as I can get someone out there. Why would you say that I'm stressed? I barked. I can hear it in your voice, she replied. Have you ever tried deep breathing or meditation? What is it with you people? 
You are the second person to say that to me. I paused. Would you like me to dispatch a locksmith? She asked patiently. Yes, I sighed out. Great, and please remember to have your mask on and give our locksmith six feet. He will also wear a mask and take the necessary safety precautions, she recited. And ma'am? Yes. Smile. Life is wonderful. Then she hung up. Whatever. Forty-five minutes, I whined. What am I going to do? I didn't feel like talking to anyone. I was annoyed and just wanted to be in my house. I sat in my car and closed my eyes, taking deep breaths. Crazily, I found myself becoming more relaxed. Next thing I knew, I opened my eyes with a start to see a locksmith smiling at me through my car window. I opened the car door and said hello, and then just let him do his job. It didn't take but a minute for him to open the door. When he was done, he said, Isn't meditation great? I looked at him with a blank stare, wondering why he would ask me such a question. What? Don't you just enjoy meditating? He beamed. I do it every day. It just puts everything into perspective for me. Why would you ask me that? I wasn't meditating, I retorted. Oh, I'm sorry. I saw you in such a peaceful state and thought you were meditating. That's why I waited until you opened your eyes. I was just trying to relax. Things have been incredibly stressful lately, I told him. You could say that again. But life is good. Better to be standing apart six feet than in the ground six feet. I handed him my credit card, and he swiped it, then wiped it down before handing it back. We said goodbye, and then he turned back before he left and said, You should keep doing whatever you think you were doing in the car. You look pretty relaxed. Have a great day. Finally in the house, I dropped my bags on the floor and looked at the kitchen table, fully expecting to see my keys. They weren't there. <sighs> what the hell did I do with those keys? I searched the entire house, but I couldn't find them anywhere. Then, all of a sudden, I heard a soft voice say, Check your bag. I turned and asked, What? Not knowing what that had been, I ignored it and continued to turn the house upside down. Again, I heard, Check your bag. Again, I ignored it. Then, out of nowhere, I heard as clear as day, Evie, check your bag. Fine! I yelled, to whom? I didn't know. I found my bag, and as soon as I opened it up, I saw my keys sitting right on top. Are you frigging kidding me? They were in my bag the entire time? How did I miss them? I plopped down in the kitchen chair, hanging my head, and decided I needed to just slow down. I was hearing voices. Maybe I was going a little stir-crazy? Maybe I needed to try this meditation thing again. Once I pulled myself together, I started the process of wiping my groceries down and putting stuff away, thinking to myself, why didn't we ever wipe things down before? Food traveled from all over the country and or world being touched by who knew who. 
and I used to just put it in my cupboard or refrigerator without thinking twice. I nodded, knowing I would keep up with this habit once things opened up again. Reminder. Life is busy. When you feel overwhelmed, make time to quiet your mind. Listen to your heart, and you will find answers. <laughs>